Where's safe? Where's familiar? Where can I smoke? Go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! It is vital that you stay in your homes, make no attempt to reach loved ones, and avoid all physical contact with the assailants. Do you believe everything you hear on TV? Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 54 of Vague Zone. I'm your host, Thomas. And I'm Daniel. Today, we're talking about the 2004 Edgar Wright movie, Shaun of the Dead. We're starting off a new franchise, the Cornetto Trilogy. So this movie stars Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. So, Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb synopsis? Yeah. A man's uneventful life is disrupted by the zombie apocalypse. Short and sweet. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So I guess I'll ask you, Daniel. Um, it was, uh, I think I believe it was Emily who suggested this trilogy. So uh, yeah. what did you think of Shaun of the Dead upon rewatch? Um, I mean, I fucking love Shaun of the Dead. I think it's I, it's like one of the most tightly written self-referential movies I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah. And just like, I feel like every time I watch it, I'm, I'm just kind of marveling at it. Um, it's incredible. I feel like it's going to be an incredibly difficult movie to talk about because I've seen it so many fucking times. I have so much love for it. Every scene has its own like comedic hook and it has yeah. a solid joke. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, that opinion has not changed on a rewatch. <laughs> there was a little bit, a little bit, I, uh, a few more things that I noticed upon a rewatch this time around. Some, uh, some callbacks to earlier parts of the movies that I kind of, yeah. glossed over yeah, yeah. times, but um yeah absolutely love it excited to get into it <laughs> how about you yeah i think this movie is fantastic yeah and it's great that it's like a staple of two genres at once like it's a great mm-hmm. zombie film it's a great romantic comedy and it just meshes those things together perfectly and yeah it's just sort of just really held together by uh, edgar wright's vision and it's just like a very punchy film visually with the jump cuts and yeah like a lot of the film, yeah, the films in this trilogy are like really circular in nature, like things that sort of happen in the beginning get referenced in the end. And it's just very, very good at doing that. And also upon rewatch, I, I like really appreciated just the admiration of music in this movie and how like it just mm-hmm. uses music to sort of tell the story a little bit and just to deliver a lot of jokes. And it's yeah, there's just really good performances in this movie. And yeah, also, like, I think it's worth noting that it's great to sort of see a, like, a British zombie film that has, doesn't, like, rely too much on just heavy weapon use or whatever. You know, it's more just about, like, being creative with how they sort of deal with the zombie problem. And yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. And it's just a really fucking classic movie for all the, all the right reasons. Have you seen that Every Frame of Painting video about Edgar Wright? Uh, believe so. I was binging a lot of those when I lived in Concord. I watched a lot of the like all of them like in a row. And I think the only one that like I remember clearly is the one about Jackie Chan because we talked yeah, a lot about <laughs> about editing on this show. We talked a, a ton about like kung fu editing and like fight editing. Recently, has gone kind of like downhill, but yeah, I don't I don't remember that one in particular. Yeah, but yeah, it goes deep into 
uh, visual comedy, basically. Oh. Like, you could show someone uh, just getting from point A to point B and say nothing about it, or you can insert this wild montage uh, depicting their experience getting from point A to point B and the trajectory of their misery as they travel. Yeah. Um, but that's great. Yeah. I, I, like you said, this is one of those movies where it, it's, it is not only one of the best zombie movies, but it is also one of the best comedies. <laughs> like, like it manages to excel in both categories and it feels like it's pretty, like we've moved away from written comedies, like severely written comedies. Uh, yeah, the wave of like Judd Apatow gave us a wave of highly improvised comedies, and it feels like this uh, reliance on improvisation has kind of stuck around. And so it's really refreshing seeing something that is highly written, highly planned out, highly yeah. effective, not just in the moment, but after the moment, long after the moment. Yeah, let's just like kind of dive into some like just get into spoiler territory. Seeing like what's like one of your favorite jokes in this movie. One of my favorite, yeah, I wrote down one of my favorite jokes. It is when Sean looks through the mail slot and says, maybe it's not as as bad as all that, like, because they don't see any zombies around. And yeah. he says, oh, wait, no, there they are. <laughs> the camera pans, like, a few feet over, and there's just a crowd of them. Yeah, that's great. My mom's favorite joke is the uh, when he climbs the child's slide ladder. <laughs> yes, and, yeah. And, we and the camera stays on his feet. Um, yeah, love, yeah what about you i love the sound of that like his steps like the one two three four yeah. <laughs> it comes back down yeah um i i don't know it sort of changes every time i watch the this movie but um i think my favorite is uh towards the end when they're like having this i love simon pegg's performance i just have to say that first of all like it, it starts off pretty sort of like like comedic and like kind of straight but as the zombie apocalypse sort of ramps up in the movie he gets a little bit more broken down and like raw and unhinged and yeah him towards the end of the movie is really fantastic and i, I love when he's like having this heart to heart with liz inside of the cellar <laughs> and then um i want to make sure i get it right uh and he's like talking to her he's like you don't want to die single and nick frost is off screen he's like actually i would like to be shot <laughs> so it's like I just, <laughs> yeah. I just appreciate that it's like it's delivered off screen and yeah he, just like he's a really good best friend character in this movie and I, it's like yeah it's just, i just love the delivery of it it's, it's just really funny um going back to the my mom's favorite scene the staircase scene actually when that scene came up on a rewatch I said out loud, like, do you think they wrote that? Like, is this something that happened at the script level? Or is it like they wrote uh, a fight scene with playground equipment and then on the day of they had this great idea? Um, yeah. And so I decided, so I have the Blu-ray and one of the special features on the Blu-ray is you can uh, watch with the storyboards as like a picture in picture sort oh of that's awesome and they they storyboarded that joke like that joke i don't know if it came out of the screenplay but it was certainly like something they had planned well before that's great yeah yeah, I, yeah this movie feels like very meticulously planned from beginning to end and sort of that theme gets sort of dialed up even more in uh, hot fuzz but we'll get to that later when we talk about it but yeah i, I just love a lot of the like even like the effort of making a fart joke, uh, sort of having a, a callback oh, to that God, at the end. It's yeah. just like it's just it's just very dedicated <laughs> to just doing. And that. have the fart joke be emotional, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. during the end. Like over the course of this movie, we've changed the context of the fart joke and the emotional residence of the fart joke. Yeah, it's great. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 
Got it, got it. Also, I really, uh, after spending a good amount of years working in the service industry, I absolutely love just the solution of using zombies as workers in the service industry because, oh yeah, they're perfect for this. Like, it's just yeah. in, the, in the beginning of the film over the the opening credits, we see like a lot of monotonous jobs. And we have these like this shot of like, it's almost like a the endless mirror type of thing where it's just like a bunch of cashiers and it's just a, a string of cashiers all just mm-hmm. mindlessly doing their job. And yeah, I think it's a really great and clever callback to be like, oh yeah, the, one of the British solutions of this z- zombie apocalypse is having like the teenager from the, the store just like chained to a bunch of uh, yeah. shopping carts. And it's just it's really- pretty easy to go back to business as usual because <laughs> yeah, yeah. like not a lot has changed, I guess. Yeah, fucking brilliant. I actually had a professor when I, so I went to junior college before transferring to SF State. Oh, and I really? took a cinema class there and I had a professor show this movie and then he called out the scene at the, at the Winchester at the beginning after uh, Sean and Liz have had their breakup where, um, fuck, I'm forgetting the character's name, <laughs> uh, Nick Frost's Ed. character. Ed. Ed. Yeah, where Ed is like laying out their plans for drinking the following day where yeah, he's yeah. like, you know, we'll go to the Queen's head or whatever. We'll get a, we'll get a bloody Mary in the morning. We'll go to Queen's head. We'll come back to Winchester for shots. Like it's all just laying out what happens over the course of the movie with like the following day, there is a woman in the backyard, a zombie. Her name is, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they end up at the Winchester. They get the rifle. They do some shots. Like that's, all that that's stuff. really clever. Yeah, oh wow that's, that's so good yeah <laughs> yeah it's like in, it's incredibly tight like it's such a fucking tight screenplay yeah um i also appreciate just his uh ed's uh sort of obsession with nice cars I, I, it's like a nice little character detail that we get so he's sort of just like uh depicted as oh yeah he's kind of just like the stoner best friend loves music, loves to drink or whatever. And yeah, we sort of get this like, this like eye-opening moment when he like, oh, like, can I get, can I drive the car? And then like when he, uh, they find um, Philip, uh, his like Jaguar, they're like, oh, it's like, I really want to drive that. Like, I, I just like, like that little bit of detail and him crashing <laughs> the car on purpose, just to, like, just for the sake of being able to drive the nicer one. It's just, I don't know, it's just something like just so small like that. It's just, it yeah. just goes a long way. Yeah, it's interesting to me that, like, maybe this is more of an appropriate comment after we've watched all three, but all three of the movies do deal with, like, this, um, you know, an adult man who, like, a man-child thing. (laughs) Like, uh, someone whose growth is kind of stunted. In this case, Ed, uh, he's living on his friend's couch, just plays video games all day, just smokes weed. Um, The next movie, Ed, (laughs) or Nick Frost, kind of plays a similar character. He's only a police officer because his father has given him the role. Yeah. And then the final movie, of course, is all about getting back with your mates from when when you were young and reliving the glory days. Um, Yeah, but sort of switches and Simon Pegg kind of plays that character, which I think is... Yeah. He he does a really good job in that. But yeah. It's It's cool (laughs) that he gets... It's cool that he gets like three pretty different roles in these movies. Yeah, yeah, I, I like this one. I think I might like this one the most just because it, it, it just, I yeah, his performance really, like his acting skills really gets to shine in this movie, I think, a lot. And yeah, like he is playing like the the, the sympathetic or not, not sympathetic. He's playing kind of like the lazy boyfriend in this. And then he sort of, he gets shoved into this hero role over the course of the movie. And by the time, like when he's having the scene where he, uh, 
has to shoot his mom is like fucking heartbreaking. Like yeah, he's like super fucking heartbreaking. He's really fucking selling it in that moment where he like um the other guy, David, is like, he keep calling him a twat. He's literally being a twat. He's being a fucking asshole. And he's like, <laughs> so he's like, we should just take care of this. And he's like, it's my fucking mom. Like, like the zombie apocalypse has like really like heavy shit to sort of deal with when like if imagine like your family or your friends dying around you and having to make that hard decision and i and i I appreciate that beat towards the end of the movie when it gets into the more serious territory i went to go see this movie with this dude winston when it was originally in theaters and he was like pretty in the horror movies like i didn't know anything about it or anything like that but he was pretty in the know and so he brought my sister and me and that scene where david gets torn to pieces by zombies uh winston was crying laughing <laughs> the hardest <laughs> laughter in the theater <laughs> yeah real and, real moment for the zombie fans that's great and i i want to say is that like a just a direct reference to like the visual tearing apart of like in night of the living dead when that happens to a character they sort of get their stomach i think it's it i think it's in donna maybe it's Day of the Dead, but like, yeah, it's definitely there's a very similar visual moment in one of those movies. Okay, I haven't seen Day of the Dead, but I have seen. I think it's Day of the Dead. The first guy gets his like stomach torn apart and stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to Sean and his mom and how emotional that scene is. This is on this rewatch. This was the first time that I got pretty emotional during the Bill Nye scene in, in the back of the car, where he's telling him about how hard it was to be a father and stuff. Yeah, um, he's a, yeah, really great casting with that. I heard that like, they shopped this script around to some other people. They almost well, they they offered the role of the mom to Helen Mirren, which I think is really interesting. Mm, she, interesting. <laughs> she, yeah, she said that she wanted to play a more like a funnier character or something like that, mm. which I don't know if that would have worked, but. Not not saying disservice to Helen Mirren, but I don't know. I mean, her presence in the movie would have been uh, like uh, had some comedic value itself. I feel like. Yeah, I I, I do agree with that. I also think that casting um, Lucy Davis as as Diane is that who that no, that's not the right actress. Um, uh, casting Penelope Wilson as the mom. I think she she does a really good job because she's playing it as like very aloof and distant. And I don't, like mm-hmm. I, you need sort of an actress who sort of can kind of just be in the background. And Helen Mirren is like a, you know, spotlight front and center kind yeah. of actress. And I don't know if that would have worked. It would be distracting. Yeah. And I think Bill Nighy does a really good job as the dad because yeah, he sort of like has this like he has this presence that feels a little bit darker and heavier and he is playing like yeah <laughs> like his line about yeah it's like i run some, i run some tap water over it it should be fine yeah like, i fucking like, love that line it's like yeah so we, we got our jabs at the aisle of white it's like we, we're like we're fine like i got my vaccine he's <laughs> just totally brushing it off but yeah i think the casting is really strong in that regard yeah um Oh, so yeah, one thing I want to talk about. This feels like it was right at the beginning of the surge of zombie movies that came out in the 2000s, or just like zombie media. So like I actually started like jotting down things because it did feel like there was this this surge. I I, I feel like you know what I'm talking about. Like 28 yeah. Days Later happened in 2002. Then it, uh, also 2002 was the first Resident Evil movie. Walking Dead comics started in 2003. House of the Dead movie came out in 2003. Okay. Shaun of the Dead was 2004. Dawn of the Dead remake was 2004. Land of the Dead, 2005. Dead Rising, the video game, 2006. Yeah, Left yeah. for Dead, 2008. And then Zombieland, 2009. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then so the Walking Dead sh- show sort of pops up around that time too. Yeah, right? I think that might have been 2010. Um, okay. I'm not sure when World War Z, the book, came out, but let me see here. I'm going to look that up. Great book, abysmal movie. I'll just say that. <laughs> so the book came out in 2006. Okay, so this was amongst all of that stuff. Um, and my theory, and I'm sure other people have thought of this too, this is an original thought, is that this is a post-9-11 thing, mm-hmm. and that seeing, you know, footage of the war, um, it's like, it's like, um, wasn't like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like a Cold War thing, where it was like the idea of like, it had to do with like Red Scare and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. The idea that the enemy can be amongst you. Well, I fear, I feel like this surge of zombie movies it was a way for us to make monsters that looked like people and show monsters that looked like people being destroyed on camera and i don't know it, it yeah i know that feels a little conspiratorial but it's like <laughs> but it's like it. <laughs> but yeah it was like a huge part of pop culture we was we were seeing people have like their limbs shot off and stuff like that being shot in the head and this is like also you know it, what what was going on in the media like torture porn came a lot of people say torture porn came out of um post 9-11 united yeah. states politics because pe- people were being tortured overseas uh the united states was torturing people yeah i think but you're like spot a- on because they, there is like a dedication to like in the Mujahideen fighters at the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, that, but also um, I was just going to say that the movie has a lot of fun with delivering narrative through like the, just watching TV. And it has a really good gag when he's like on the couch and he's like flipping through the channels and get like Morrissey singing like, oh, they're like panic in the streets of London. And then it cuts to like another clip of like, uh, like, you know, like just the way that it's edited, it's like, it creates like a sentence with just like the different channels changing and also the fact that like every time basically like it sort of ramps up within like the first 10 minutes of the film we get our first shot of like the national guard driving in but he's mm-hmm. sort of just distracted with the mundanity or the like this the the, the <laughs> what's happening in his life or whatever but like every time we see a television screen there's like images of like Something news and war happens. and like i think this movie is also really fa- uh, fascinating in a post covid like quarantine sort of context because yeah yeah it's just a lot of yeah just like the images of just like people like in hazmat suits and like you know just kind of like uh or or like the like woman sort of being like she's i think it's like a car crash like it's like a woman driving and she like basically like dies in her car and it's like an ambulance like shows up and they're like treating the woman while he's like having a conversation with yvonne and uh, it's like this kind of like happening in the background and I was scrolling through the uh, Wikipedia and there was a, a note on the 2001, uh, what's it, I want to make sure I get the name of it right. It's a, it was a pandemic, uh, the 2001 foot and mouth epidemic that happened in- Hand, foot and mouth? No, it's the 2001 foot and mouth outbreak. It was like a- Just foot and mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's officially the United Kingdom foot and mouth outbreak which is, is dealt with like agriculture and like they had to like kill a bunch of like livestock because there was just like a sort of epidemic going you know being spread and so like yeah if you look at the wiki it's just like it's an image of just like uh slaughtered animals being burned because there's just like a lot of just like blight or whatever death and so 
and Edgar Wright was commenting that he like didn't even know that that was happening because he just like hadn't paid attention to television in like a few weeks. And so like they play with the idea that like, yeah, something could be going on, but like you're just so distracted with your own life that it doesn't even sort of register. It doesn't even come on your radar at all. And I think that's really appropriate thinking about COVID, like this whole thing of like, oh yeah, it's like we don't recognize it, don't acknowledge it until it happens directly to you. And I think it really sort of stood out to me while watching this. I was like, yeah, like that's one of the big things of people just wanting to get back to normal and like just totally just, you know, you know, get vaccinated or not or whatever. I, I, I say, please get vaccinated. But yeah, like people like just being like, oh yeah, I'll just ignore it. And like until one of my family members dies or something like that or gets sick, it's, it's totally yeah. not. I ran it under a cold tap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Drink some bleach. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I feel like I kind of exhausted myself already. Uh, no, uh, I was going to ask, what do you think about like the music in this movie? Because I think that's a really big part of it. We get like the really great gag early on with like going through the records, <laughs> like throwing the records at the zombie. Um, yeah, I think it's a great thing to break bring up because I just watched, and I'll get into this later. I just watched um, Fear Street 1994, mm-hmm. which is a movie, and it's a little different because it's a movie. It, it's a it's a period piece, you know, so it's it wants to be of an era. But that movie had so many fucking needle drops, and it drove me. Cr- I almost turned it off. I was so annoyed. <laughs> and like this movie. Uh, Shaun of the Dead has a lot of needle drops, but it's not annoying. <laughs> like everything. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's also that it's like using good music. It's it's not all stuff that's incredibly obvious to play. Um, yeah. And the the way it uses the music, we get that Queen moment, which yeah. is fucking iconic now. Like it's impossible to hear that song and not think of this movie. Yeah, and I think it's gotten sort of like sorry that. I think that's really funny, like the the, the way that it's like, uh, yeah, it's like zombie violence edited to like the beat of like, don't stop me now. And yeah, Edgar Wright sort of followed that string a little bit further with uh, Baby Driver editing an entire movie to like sound and like music and sort of playing those cues. And yeah, I, I just, yeah, really like that record scene. I, I thought it was fascinating that um, Sade was the only artist that got back to them and said that, yeah, you can totally use my record on screen. Like, it was totally, like, without hesitation. And, like, yeah, this, this, just just the, the the gag of, like, going through records. Like, no, like, don't, like, don't. Yeah, yeah it's like, don't use that one. That's, like, my favorite record ever. Like, I just really enjoy that. And, yeah, it's, like, the beginning of this movie just has so many nice little comedic beats like that. One of, I have to mention that, like, makes me laugh every single time is when he wakes up on the first morning and he sits down and at the grabs the game controller and says, uh, player one has entered the game, or no, player two has entered the game. And he's like, don't you have work today? And then player two has left the game. And he gets up. It's just nice little uh, subtle things like that. But yeah, just the, the use of music is really fucking good. And like, yeah, every time Nick Frost is inside the car, just like blasting like punk music or whatever, it's just, it's just adds to his character a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's actually telling you something about who that character is rather than just being, you know, Look at look at look at the music that the director likes, you know. Yeah, and um, and then also going back to uh, Sean and his mother when he's having like that moment outside the car, and he's like, like you're out, like there's nothing left of your husband in there, and then Bill Knight turns off the music while yeah. he's a zombie. It's just it's yes. really great. <laughs> it's like it it serves a fucking function narratively. Like, yeah. and there's also the moment where after he's broken up with Liz, it starts playing. Uh, some like sad breakup song. I, yeah. I'm forgetting what it is on the jukebox. And yeah, they commented yeah. that it's on random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. 
it's yeah. not just it's not just ambiance it's it's right there um yeah i just yeah there's so many like you say at the beginning of the conversation there's like so many things in each scene it's hard to like like i was taking notes that, like it's, it's something in every single scene that's like really like noteworthy one of my favorite little screenplay moments is like the uh, the the apocalypse is ramping up and he's like uh call the ambulance like oh it's engaged like oh call the like call the fire department like oh it's engaged and then he's calling liz and he's like uh she's engaged and he's like oh and then his phone's like, that was quick <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like just great stuff like that um so yeah i mentioned earlier there was a part of this there was a callback that i didn't notice the first time and it's like you you kind of mentioned it with uh them playing video games it's when they're shooting guns at the Winchester. Yeah. We get like a first person perspective shot down the barrel of the gun and he's being told like to your left, to your right or whatever. Uh, that's a call back to earlier in the movie when Nick Frost is playing video games and Sean Pegg is directing him on where to shoot and when to reload. Yeah. Um, and I totally missed that. Like I, I just thought it was like a, a piece of, you know, visual flair to do the first person shot. But yeah. On a rewatch, I, I actually caught that one. Yeah, also something, I, I just have to fucking mention this. Um, <laughs> love Nick Frost's character. His uh, sup niggas when he pulls up in the car. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just just out of left field. It's so fucking <laughs> random, but I, I think it just ties into the, like their obsession with like hip hop and electro music. I think it's just really charming. Is it's like they're just these stoner characters that have just like like sort of no filter when it comes to something like that. I, I just I, yeah. it, makes, it makes me laugh every single fucking time. Right. Also, yeah, there's a Aphex Twin poster in their stairwell. There's like a lot of uh, even when they like can't play music, there's a lot of uh, stuff just in the production value of their house like there's a, a white stripes uh, white blood cells record that mm -hmm, can be seen that. and i thought that was a nice little clever uh, allusion to just like sort of just the zombie theme basically oh i didn't even catch that yeah that's a yeah. good joke yeah because <laughs> yeah on the cover of that record it's a uh, meg and jack wyatt they're like, all surrounded by like people like they're sort of pinned up against a wall and yeah, it's just another just very appropriate thing for just, yeah, to include in a zombie movie. I think it just, it, it's perfect. Yeah, even the, like, fish place that he wants to take Liz to is called Fulci's, which is named after yeah. Lucille Fulci, the director. So, yeah, they're just throwing in all sorts of Easter eggs. Yeah, I guess uh, it's worth mentioning. What do you think about, like, just the romantic side of uh, uh, Sean and Liz and sort of, like, their, their, their whole, like, the the romantic uh, comedy sort of you know their down relationship and david sort of being this uh, really slimy guy he kind of wants to be dating liz but isn't is dating one of her friends or what do you like what do you think about that dynamic um i mean it's hard to think about cause I, I dated a liz like not long <laughs> after this movie <laughs> so, so now it's like it's always kind of linked in my head um, that's funny yeah i don't know yeah i it, it, it's it's kind of hard for me to separate the two but yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? I dig it. I I think it really works well that it it does. It sort of it feels like a heavier part and more in your face in the beginning of the film. It kind of takes a backseat to the zombie action once that shows up in the second and third act. But yeah, I, I like that they have that like crescendo of like he like he realizes that he loves her pretty early on i like that like that it's like a movie like he yeah. doesn't know that he loves her but it takes a zombie apocalypse to sort of push him into this sort of more active 
parole in the relationship. And then, yeah, like when David is like pointing the gun at, the, at his mom and like they're having like this argument, like I, I, it all kind of works for me because yeah, it's just very tightly written and like getting having that moment get solved in the end when uh, <laughs> um, David's girlfriend sort of runs out to save him. I think that's the only part where it's like, it, it feels a little silly to me. I was like, why would you just run out? Like yeah. you, you sort of established that this guy is like kind of an asshole. He wants to date your friend. <laughs> he's yeah he's not yeah it's like why are you sort of like just sacrificing yourself and like i don't know that that's the only part that kind of like bothers me there is a deleted scene i guess about that where it's not it's not it wasn't filmed i think it's just storyboarded but the idea is that she like fights his way through the crowd she fights her way through the crowd i think she uses like david's legs or something to fight the crowd. <laughs> yeah. and then she climbs a tree and waits for it to all blow over basically oh, okay yeah. So the idea is that she she survives. Um, That's great. Yeah. Also, yeah. Throughout this movie, we have uh, Sean interacting with the character Yvonne, and I, I. There's a really great sight gag where like they run into each other after the the classic like hop over the fence gag, which gets redone mm, yeah. re- redone in the, uh, the other movies in this trilogy. <laughs> they run into each other. They have like mirroring uh, squads <laughs> essentially, where it's like just like them flip, uh, flip except one of them is uh the actor martin freeman <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, it is wild to see martin freeman in this yeah it's like a non-speaking roles basically playing the liz quote-unquote of that group and yeah they just have like just a mirrored I, it just makes you chuckle every single time so it's just like you don't you don't have to go that extra mile to sort of make that happen but like yeah it just really shows the dedication to just having this be like a really circular screenplay and really like it all everything sort of is relevant yeah everything has a joke um so yeah seeing martin freeman in this one like olivia coleman shows up in the in hot fuzz <laughs> and then that's kind of yeah. that's kind of weird now uh although i still think of her as you know um being from peep show but she, even though she's an oscar award-winning actress, actress <laughs> yeah yeah acting alongside um uh in the father i can't forget it uh keep Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. Acting opposite of Anthony Hopkins is great. But uh, also one thing I feel like they sort of do with um, Yvonne's character, tell me what you think about this. So they were inspired by, like, they came up with this idea on an episode of Space where there is a uh, a zombie scene. I've never seen the show Space, but apparently it happens when the character is uh, played by Simon Pegg. He is playing Resident Evil and then, like, has, like, a fever dream or whatever, and it's, like, a zombie scene. So that inspires Shaun of the Dead when Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg are having this conversation. Also, I think that they had fun with Yvonne's character sort of embodying like kind of like, Resident Evil has this thing where like you're playing like the character Leon, but there's like a like another female oh, character yeah. like a- okay. a- acting opposite, sort of like all, always off screen, but sort of showing up at certain moments, but also sort of surviving to the end. And I think that sort of gets replicated here there's even like the biohazard sticker or like a uh, uh, sign on the, the the trucks as they show up to save them at the very okay. end when yvonne shows up and i i thought that was huh. like kind of like a reference to like resident evil 2 how they have like dual um narratives or like dual yeah. like dual stories and like you like imagine what yvonne's doing is like sort of similar to what sean's doing and i think they had sort of like made a direct reference to that with her character well now now i'm bummed we don't have the yvonne movie because it's like yeah. I want to see what what the other side of that coin was. Yeah, I think yeah, they even like joked about that, saying like during production, like, "Oh yeah, there'll be 
uh, from Dusk Till Sean and Yvonne from yeah, the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we say like they clearly have like thought about this to like a meticulous level to the point where like, yeah, they were having fun with that idea. <laughs> yeah, man. Fuck. Now I really, I really wish we got that movie. <laughs> I'm yeah. like bummed. At least release a comic or something. Yeah, I know there is a Shaun of the Dead comic. There's a Shaun no, but I want I want Yvonne of the Dead. I want to gotcha. know what her yeah. side of the story was. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, you never know. In the age of remakes, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah. We can de-age her. Yeah. Oh no, goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are like the main things I wanted to talk. Uh, yeah, I sort of talked about all of like the big things that really stood out to me while rewatching this. Yeah, I think that's about it for me. Um, I fucking love this movie. It's, yeah. it's as good as it was the day it came out. Yeah, uh, it's very cartoony, very fun, but also, yeah, just a really solid story, really good romance. Uh, yeah, really, just really good romantic comedy sort of uh, shell, like, built around this, like, zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, just the the gag of you got a little red on you. It's really great. Him, like, the, the kid kicking the, the red soccer ball at him <laughs> as a zombie is always yeah. really good. So, yeah, it's, it's like... Yeah, the movie excels everywhere. <laughs> like yeah. even like the zombie effects are good and the gore and stuff. It's it's got it's got something for everyone, you know. Yeah. Like I said, even my mother loves this movie. That's great. That's really fantastic. Um, also, yeah, uh, lastly, um, sort of Chris Martin has a little cameo at the end where they're doing this little montage on the television. And there's a great joke where there's like the talk show Trisha and the woman's like, like, I, like, I don't care. I'm in love with him. And like, I still got the ring on my finger, Trisha. <laughs> she's like, do you sleep with him? Like, it's, it's just like, just so fucking silly. It's so much fun. And yeah, it's, it's a, a, a great fucking zombie classic. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Uh, so I want to mention a few things. So I got to see uh, No Time to Die in theaters, and I I enjoyed that movie. It was really great visually. Daniel Craig was, was a really good, like, James Bond, in my opinion. Really, like, I, I, I like his take on it. I, I just like the sort of, like, I like all of these, all of his movies for different reasons. Like, they're not, like, perfect by any means but yeah casino royale is great i like the like the color palettes and i like the just the look of quantum of solace and yeah the other uh skyfall inspector i, I like i think skyfall is great even so people like criticize the the plot sort of being similar to has it's like the dark knight or so like in some ways but yeah I, I just enjoy all five of his bond movies for different reasons but i just wanted to point out that this one is directed by carrie joji fukunaga who did uh, Beasts of No Nations. Um, he also from True Detective. And uh, he's a Bay Area guy, born in Oakland. I uh, didn't know that. And so um, I, I just really, really enjoy the visuals in this movie. It just looks gorgeous. And there's just so many really fantastic shots in this movie. And, and people sort of are sort of mixed on James Bond movies, but I think they're just uh, really great, like popcorn flicks, globe trotting sort of spy movies. There's like a lot of, things to sort of like about them and it does uh, address few a few uh criticisms on needing like a, like a female 007 so this mm -hmm. movie has a character where it's like they like bond is retired so they give 007 to a, a black woman and like she really like, yeah yeah and it's it's really good uh, it's a little on the nose but i think they have fun with it and they sort of acknowledge that and it's 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 really good it's not like 
super like mind blowing or trailblazing in that way. But I think it does make an effort to sort of like address it's acknowledging. Yeah. 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 It, make, it, it makes an effort and it is a, a really like nice send off to Daniel Craig playing this role. And I think they just, they did a lot of things right with it. Um, just wanted to give a shout out to no time to die. Kind of got really fucked over by the pandemic and pushed back yeah. a ton. Because, yeah, yeah. Fuck. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. Cause uh, he, was on SNL promoting that in 2019 and um, fucking Rami Malek is going to be hosting in if like not this week or like next week Rami Malek is also hosting SNL to promote James Bond <laughs> like two like <laughs> two whole years later it's ridiculous just, yeah it's just just so absurd but I just want to give a shout out to that also you recommended what we do in the shadows so I started watching that oh yeah yeah, I really want to watch the movie now, but like I'm midway through season two. Um, okay. Yeah, it's such a fun show. Like I came for Matt Berry, but I stayed for Guillermo. Guillermo is like is like yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> characters now. He's so fucking funny. Really great. They, they do the office thing really well. And just I, I love the framework and like just the, the build of a show like that because you have like a, a really solid cast in the center of it. And then you just have like, tons of other actors sort of cycling in making cameos and the last episode i watched was uh the season two episode with uh, uh jackie daytona <laughs> oh my god that's the best one in my yeah, opinion such such a fucking great such a concept <laughs> weird side story yeah yeah <laughs> just going to be a bartender and uh, a volleyball coach and like just like the heart of this small town and then, it's like yeah. what the fuck is this show yeah <laughs> like, also- imagine if that was the first episode you watched <laughs> Yeah, that would be a really strange way to enter that show. Um, but I just had to point out that he, the whole plot of that episode is like he's running away from a vampire who he like scammed years ago. And I was like, who is this person? And then when the credits showed up, it was Mark Hamill. And I was like, holy shit, like that's so fucking fantastic that like Mark Hamill can sort of show up, be like this goofy vampire character. And they have like, yeah, like a nice, like a over the top vampire fight. This show has really good production value which i wasn't really expecting but the yeah. costumes the makeup and the fights the inclusion of like trolls and like werewolves and just like just the, the makeup and everything really sells it and it's just a lot of fucking fun happy you recommended that show but yeah just like mark hamill showing up sort of solidified also um wesley snipes has a cameo a few episodes before when they have like the the vampire council thing yeah it's just there's just so many fun things about about the show so thank you for recommending that yeah and i think <laughs> doug jones shows up in that show too uh, oh, really? yeah the guy who's always covered in makeup and stuff um yeah if anytime you see a character who's just like covered in tons of prosthetics yeah. i'm pretty sure it's doug jones <laughs> I, I believe it yeah that's fucking fantastic um and then lastly um season two of wu-tang and american saga is on hulu right now and i i just can't recommend this show enough and mm. it's just a like you know, like, sorry, I can't recommend this show enough. And it's really great because I, I'm a sucker for like the music industry and like sort of the back, uh, the not the background, um, the, what's it called? Uh, sort of like, just, I guess I'll just say it this way. I appreciate like sort of lifting the veil and seeing how the music industry works and seeing just like how, like, you know, uh, independent group or like an independent hip hop group, like sort of forms and gets their music heard on the radio and, it's like a really solid ensemble cast it's just really really well acted in my opinion but there's a episode that just came out last night 
where there's the whole thing with Wu-Tang is like, there's, it's like hip hop being meshed with like Chinese cinema and like in this adoration to like Chinese films. And yeah. like, it's, it's, it seems really odd in, like, in concepts, but it's somehow it works to have like a hip hop song with like, uh, like a, a clip from a like an old uh, like Shaw Brothers film, like in the beginning of it or something like that. Like uh, it's like the way that they use clips from those movies always sort of works somehow. But there's an uh, artist named Ray Kwan and Ray Kwan, he has his album um, only built for Cuban links. And in that there's like some clips from the John Wu film, The Killer. Okay. And, and I, I hadn't seen The Killer in a fucking really fantastic movie. Highly recommend it. Yeah, like those early John Boo movies are great with Shia and Fat. It's like just really great action. And like they basically remake like an iconic shootout scene inside of the church in the Wu-Tang show. And I was just like, they're just sort of really cool. following. Yeah, they're really following up, which is like the adoration of just like this sort of uh, genre of cinema. And I just think just like the dedication of it is like really charming and really, I, I, I can't help but like recommend it. It's like, love it because it could just be a basic show about just oh how do, like how does these songs get made what what's the like you know what is the, in, the music industry like but they go a little bit further to include animation and fantasy sequences and like their like friendship is sort of like the friendship between Raekwon and Ghostface is kind of rocky at first but then they have like this bonding moment where they're like basically remaking an entire like uh John Woo scene inside of a church and like this shootout and it's just it, the dedication is just really really great and really uh inspirational kind of because it's like they're, they're they're going the extra an extra mile with it and it's just it's really fantastic to watch because it could just be a, a a baseline sort of music show but yeah there's a, a really good sequence where the RZA is like sampling a record and the episode is directed by Mario Van Peebles and like they visualize it by he he's at the he's at like his uh record or like his NPC or whatever and then we get like a black room filled with the full band and as he's like finding the sample he'll like turn down the artist and so the singers will disappear and he'll like turn down the guitars and the guitars will disappear and it's like just the drummer it's just it's like just the visualization that sounds fucking awesome <laughs> yeah it's like just the visualization of finding a sample is like it's just it's really clever and really fun and like they just have a lot of fun with it it's just i, I would hope that this show sort of continues on because like the wu-tang is like such a big group that the characters uh, sorry the artists in that group have like such big personalities and there's so many like small stories that you can sort of tell in that little world and I don't know, it's just it's just great it's like my favorite show right now are any of them producers on the show uh the rizza is like a okay. producer uh, method man is a producer um yeah that's like about it uh yeah, it's mostly yeah, kind of like focusing on the RZA. So uh, yeah, yeah he's, it's like <laughs> I would guess of, yeah. yeah, a lot of episodes like just about him. And also, a really interesting thing is um, the actor that plays the RZA. Sort of his performance, I think, sort of shifted a little bit. Like it, he wasn't quite like imitating his vocal patterns in the first season, but in the second season, he's like trying a little too hard to sound like him, which is a little distracting, but everyone everyone else is fantastic. Like like I said, the actor that plays ODB is really great and just really charismatic. And yeah, love that show. Wu-Tang and American Soccer. That's, yeah. yeah, that's good. Still need to check it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it helps to be like a diehard hip-hop, diehard Wu-Tang fan. That sort of helps like sell it a little bit more. But yeah, it, it's just a lot of fun, uh, like visually. Um, what have you been watching this week? 
So I got around to watching the first episode of Squid Game. Um, uh, only one episode. <laughs> but yeah, it I was I I'm was super on board with the show. Um I really enjoy just like this character that we focus on for the beginning. I don't know if we're gonna follow this character throughout the entire show because the show ends by introducing several more characters. Yeah. But um yeah, yeah it's like well written it's well shot it's well acted i i love when he, the dad gives uh the birthday gift to the daughter <laughs> the reveal of what's inside the box yeah it's fantastic yeah. um but what but but the but the episode is all building up to this the game um of red light green light <laughs> yeah. and spoiler alert for the first episode of squid game uh it ends with a fucking massacre of people just being obliterated yes. uh, machine gunned down on this field and then we cut to this person a masked person behind the scenes watching all of this violence on their tv set as names are disappearing uh, names with pictures of the contestants disappearing on these tiles on the ground and it just made me wonder, like, how the fuck did this become the phenomenon that is that it has become? <laughs> like, how did so many people watch this and say, well, time for episode two. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, I'm on board. <laughs> like, it's fucking weird because I watch a lot of very violent things, but there's yeah. a certain comfort in knowing that the violent things that I watch are still kind of niche. Um, the fact that this is mainstream is it's kind of, it kind of felt gross to me um i i totally understand that and yeah it does it ramps up and it gets like bigger at like it's one of those things where it starts off with like like a lot of extras and a lot of people but as yeah. sort of the cast gets whittled down it gets so much like the tension just rises so fucking perfectly mm -hmm. in that show it like yeah some of the later episodes are a little uh, iffy with some of the character decisions that they do but I, I felt that way while watching it too because like it was getting a little bit of buzz and I was like I, yeah it feels like the buzz between when I mentioned it to you like a week ago or whatever like it's like it's still like building up and so <laughs> like I, still I think uh, Monday morning I had a meeting at work and it just turned into like me and two other two other people talking about Squid Game while I just kind of listened and like uh, they like didn't want to spoil anything for me, but they were just like, "Yeah, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to be part yeah. of this conversation." <laughs> no, yeah, you um, should because yeah, episode two is really interesting. But, like the, I think the progression between one through nine is just I think it's really well done, and yeah, it starts off with the bang, and then it kind of kind of goes goes smaller a little bit, gets a little quieter, and then it like continues to ramp up but yeah i would say that like the first episode is like the only one that's quite like that but then yeah it gets it is like i'm not saying it's not violent it continues to be violent but the, like just the way that it's presented is a little bit different as it continues and, on and maybe it would have been more impactful had i not already known that squid game was going to be a violent show like i i knew that it was about people like if you if you don't win the game or if you lose uh, a certain qualification of losing, <laughs> uh, yeah. you get killed. Um, so maybe if I didn't know that going in, I would be pretty shocked. And the amount of time we spend seeing this massacre take place would have been, um, I don't know, dramatically effective rather than just kind of disturbing. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the show, it, 
by showing us this person, this uh, villain, I'm assuming, who is watching all of this unfold on a TV, it feels like it's aligning us, the audience, with that person. Like, we're both sitting here watching these people get massacred. And uh, it's not a good feeling. Um, Uh, I would say if watch episodes two and three, and if if two and three are, like, totally, like, you're not into it, then it's totally fine kind of. Uh, bailing out but yeah episode three is one that sort of has captured social media and luck the most with a certain like thing that happens in it and yeah i i i love it i think and i've been like even if i wasn't living in south korea right now i would mm-hmm. still be like completely head, head over heels with the show because yeah just like the characters are really good and just the dynamics of yeah that lead the lead and just like like him building his team with like the alliances that sort of come up inside of this small little uh, community of like like a bunch of like bad like not bad people but like people who are just like all in debt and like all have different motivations and as you sort of find out what those motivations are I think it's really lovely just like to to see just like how they sort of help each other and yeah yeah and like him yeah him getting saved by uh at the uh, end yeah yeah, like by uh, Ali Abdul, like that his character, like I love his character so much, and like they do his character. I think his character is really, really well done, and yeah, like there's just, there's a lot of good stuff in the show, and yeah, it, it like I said, it does get a little rocky towards the end because yeah, it's hard to sort of wrap up or like these wrap up those themes kind of concisely, and there's like else i will spoil this there is like a police character that shows up that like kind of mm. works his way in through it and I, I think that's an interesting thing but they sort of don't really know quite what to do with him but, but yeah it's 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 solid it's a lot of fun yeah but it's it, also it is disturbing yes it is disturbing <laughs> it's also like a different like how how a cop character being introduced into this would be handled in the united states i imagine is very different than how it would be handled in south korea yeah um uh, they do the detective thing really nice i think it's fun yeah Yeah. i i think it's mostly just it is very interesting to me that this has become the phenomenon because i I think it's netflix's number one show right now worldwide yeah um and it's interesting to me that alive that movie we watched a while back which i think the episodes lost but um hashtag alive uh that was netflix's number one movie at a certain point so nor so so um you know korean dramas or just korean content i guess is really taking off on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the other thing I watched was Fear Street 1994. And this is the first movie in a trilogy. Uh, each movie takes place at a different time. I think the next one is in the 70s. And then the final movie takes place in 1666. Ooh. Um, but yeah, Fear Street 1994, it like i said it has so many needle drops at the beginning like, there's a point where it has three needle drops within a span of like two minutes it is ridiculous like a character yeah <laughs> listeners can't see the face that tom just made but he was thoroughly disturbed um but yeah uh yeah the character is like walking into school and it's playing music and then she looks at one character and it starts playing a different song which is supposed to like illustrate how she feels about that character and then she keeps walking it's playing the the first song she looks at a different character and then it starts playing another song um so we get three drops it's an ipod um, shuffle type of life yeah, <laughs> it's kind of it's so song. much it's so annoying and and like the first half hour of the like for, it has a pretty strong intro scene that takes place at a mall um 
but then it kind of turns into teenage horror bullshit where I don't know. There's like a rival high school thing and which I'm sure the rivalry between these two towns is going to play a bigger part uh in in this trilogy, but I don't know. It it just feels like dumb teenage bullshit and then once the horror starts going, it's actually pretty fun. And so like Malignant has taught me do not give up on a movie uh even if you're not you're not vibing with it because maybe maybe that ending is going to really work out. Yeah. Fear Street 1994. It doesn't reach those heights. Uh, I don't think anything will reach those heights of *Malignant*, but um, but yeah, it becomes very fun. It be- I became very invested. I am definitely gonna watch the next two. Um, yeah. So so yeah, check this out. It's it, it, it it's pretty is fun. It, like you see, is it on Netflix? Just... Is, it a, is it another Netflix like like owned thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a Netflix original. Um, but yeah, it, it totally. The, as the characters become more developed and you get an understanding of uh, their voices and once you see those voices uh, in scary circumstances then it becomes, it's pretty fun so yeah, check cool. out Fear Street 1994 uh, Gillian Jacobs in that? I think she might be in the second one she wasn't okay. in the first one, Maya okay. Hawk is in the first one Okay. yeah, I was, just wanted to mention I think it's gotten kind of a little bit murkier as more streaming services has popped up. But I do appreciate Netflix for leaning more towards horror because I watched The Ritual this week too. And that's oh, yeah. uh, another Netflix uh, owned or original film. It's based off a novel, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a solid horror movie. It's a lot of yeah. fun to watch. And yeah, I appreciate Netflix for doing that. That movie has like at least two really solid sequences. Uh, what are those? <laughs> uh, the one when they wake up. I think the first time they wake up and something terrible has happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then just towards just the ending, the finale is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the production value of the, like, the main character's visions sort of mm-hmm. being woven into the woods. And yeah, really awesome creature design. I like the, the creature. I mean, sorry to spoil that. Just, <laughs> just immediately. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, I actually just remembered there was something else I watched. I watched Ben Wheatley's new movie, In the Earth. Um, It's streaming on Hulu right now. And it is about... uh, It's weird watching it in a pandemic. Now I'm struggling to remember everything that it's about. (laughs) It's weird watching it in a pandemic because there's clearly a pandemic happening in the movie. Um, Our main character is a researcher. He shows up to this research, research station and... Everyone's wearing masks. He has to get his blood drawn. Um, he has to go through all of these steps to make sure he's healthy enough to be around these people. And it just shows you how much worse things could be. Uh, you're just expected to wear a mask. Maybe you get your temperature <laughs> taken. Shut the fuck up. Stop crying about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it has to do with this guy going into. Uh, he's just studying this. I think like the soil's different in this area. It's more fertile or something like that. And it is in a zone where there shouldn't be, no nobody should be in this zone. And it's him and this other, this woman who is like guiding him through this zone. And they find a man who just appears to be living there. Um, one one <laughs> night, so one night they're attacked. And yeah, okay, so they find, sorry, I'm doing a terrible job of this. They find a tent, uh, empty tent, but it was clear that like a child had been there because there was like a children's book. And so it was like a couple and a child. And then 
they're camping out. They get attacked in the middle of the night. They wake up, their equipment's been destroyed, and their shoes have been stolen. So then they find a man who seems to just be living here, and he offers to help them. He's got some shoes for them and stuff. Um, then it starts developing into a horror movie, and it's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> uh, that first half, great. Um, but then the second half, it starts becoming more a little bit more of a sci-fi movie. Um, it's building up and building up towards this reveal, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't... It's, it's a ton of build-up with no payoff uh and it's it totally drops off in the second half it's i yeah i i i'm not gonna recommend this movie (laughs) like as strong as strong yeah as strong of a first half as it has i was really into it i saw that it had gotten pretty mixed reviews but i like ben wheatley so i was like yeah Mm -hmm. like i'll check it out um and halfway into it i was like yeah i don't know what these critics are talking about like i'm totally on board with this and then the second half, it kind of just dragged a little bit, and it lost its momentum. And yeah, in the earth. Sorry, sorry, Ben Wheatley, but uh, okay. not not really digging it. it. It like invests a lot of time into psychedelic imagery because there is this phenomenon that I will not uh, spoil occurring in the woods. Um, yeah, it can be kind of tricky because I was actually thinking about this earlier this week, and I was like trying to find something to watch, and yeah, like horror and sci-fi are like sibling kind of genres where they sort mm-hmm. of deal with similar ideas, but this, the approach and the execution are very different. And sometimes, yeah, those things can get blended together and you know, sometimes for the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting dealing with some interesting ideas, but I, I feel like I just kind of lost interest uh, towards the end. Um, I wouldn't say it's terrible, but yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it. There, there are plenty more movies to see. Okay. All right. I think that about wraps it up for 54. Yep. Okay. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us bigzonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or movie recommendations, you can hit us up on there. If you'd like to tweet at us on the Twitter, you can hit us up at vaguezone. We're always chatting about movies and whatever we're watching and, you know, media as of late so yeah join us on the com- join us in the conversation on there yeah it's been episode uh 54 we haven't picked our detour movie for the next one yet but uh we will i think that's gonna be your pick now <laughs> uh yeah it is my pick but i haven't thought about it yet so okay. <laughs> it'll be uh discussed and we'll let you know when it happens but yeah it's just starting the uh, cornetto trilogy so excited to be going through these movies uh right it's episode 54 i'm thomas and i'm daniel and we'll catch you on the next one peace